this morning, in the vein of all that we have been studying with regard to the series on harvest, I want you to turn your, with me in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 40, uh, a famous passage, a renowned passage, one that speaks to a, a specific promise of God, but something that I believe is important as we consider what it means to prepare a piece of land, to plant in it, to, to, to get to the moment where we have watered that, and now, now we come to waiting. And this might be the very hardest part of all things when it comes to expecting and, and hoping that God would give a harvest in our church, in our lives, in our personal lives, that we have to see this piece as maybe one of the most challenging because we live in a society that is not very good at waiting. I had a boss that always used to have this expression, especially when we were doing something stupid. He would say, it's a dollar waiting on a dime, and he would mean that we were insignificant compared to him, and if he had to wait on us, that, that, was, that was something. And I think that oftentimes we feel very much like this about all things in our life, that we're the most important central figure to all things. And I want to challenge that this morning by saying to you, while you are precious to God, no one in here is the center of the story. That's Jesus. And so as we look to this, we'll see a picture of God in the midst of, 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 of the things of life. So would you stand with me in honor of God's word? Isaiah chapter 40, looking to verse number 27 to the end of the chapter. It says here in Isaiah 40, 27, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God? Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Would you bow with me? Lord, we thank you that when we come to Scripture, we are challenged, we are reminded that you, our Creator, are the one who supplies us with the deficit that we have. That each and every one of us and in our own lives, Lord, we know that we, we lack the necessary strength and courage to do the things that are in front of us, but you make up that difference. We pray this morning, Lord, that you would be heard loud and clear and that we would be less and less of the voice in the room. Lord, that you would be magnified in this moment. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll for, you know, I'll forget a many, many number of things over the course of my life, and it's interesting to me that um, I remember the oddest little bits and pieces about things that are happening in the world around me. I remember, for instance, and it was a significant moment, but the baccalaureate service when I graduated, this passage was read. No doubt, I would imagine somebody looked for all the different times the Bible used the word youth or youths, and, and this pops up, and I think to myself, well, well most of us in this room you know, have gone through a process where we have worked through our education, we will admit now, some of us that are adults, we will say to, to those that are young, that might have been tough, but it wasn't the toughest thing I'd ever face. And so I thought to myself, as I read this and as I prepared, I thought, it's an interesting passage, but man, if I had known then, I thought, man, they could have come up with some, you know, lesser difficult passages to look at because the struggles I had faced up till then were nothing by comparison to the struggles I've seen since then. We see this passage, and there's something to be said right off of go from what I read. There's a picture that most of you in this place will have at some point in your life either said it or heard somebody else say it. 
you will say things like, doesn't God even care about what I'm going through? Doesn't God even know what's happening? Doesn't he even seem to have a, 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 a finger on the pulse of what is, what is taking place in the world around us? And when we read it, we, we hear the same thing is happening right here to the audience that Isaiah is writing to. He says, why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God. And there's this picture of this wondering of mankind about their place in the universe with regard to God and his infinite and powerful abilities. And you, you probably, you know, sit in this room and say, well, I sure wouldn't want to admit that to anybody, but I've thought it myself. And I would say you're probably not human if you haven't wondered at times when things are hard where God is in all of it. You know, with all of the narratives of all the things that we hear about the world around us, all of the trouble that we see, we are convinced that there's lots of trouble, isn't there? We have the trouble, we need the cure, don't we? Well, you're not going to like the cure very much, though. You know, how many of you ever got that medicine when you were a kid and you had to take it and somebody said, pinch your nose? You know, right before I baptize people, I say, pinch your nose. They don't have to, but if they don't, they're liable to get a shot of aqua, you know, that refreshment will come straight up the nostrils, especially if they breathe in. So I say pinch your nose. When we used to get that spoonful of medicine, it was pinch your nose, right? Of course, by the time I became a kid and thereafter, it was like the transition was on and all of a sudden they had flavoring and medicine. But we don't always like the medicine, do we? Sometimes it makes us not feel so good. Maybe, maybe, maybe a little drowsier than we'd like. We see this picture and the medicine that's in this picture is this four-letter word, wait, and we don't like this very much. We have trouble right now, God. That's what we would cry out to him and say, we have trouble immediately now, God. We want an answer now. We'd like to push the button on the microwave and have the answer now. Is God completely ignorant to my situation? Does he not know about my, my problem? Has my just claim passed in front of him and gone unnoticed? That's the, that's the statement. The point number one in your bulletin is, if you're going to keep notes this morning, it says God is not ignorant to our life or the seeds that we have planted. You see, one of the most challenging things for us is that oftentimes we expect the return to be immediate, and we don't realize that when we invest in, in a harvest that we are, we are investing in the opportunity to work hard for long and to wait long, which is harder work. And as we wait, we wonder where the growth is. We wonder where the increase is. We wonder where the moment is. And what I will tell you is, is that a great many seeds are planted. And not all of them will germinate and will take root and will, and will blossom. But of the ones that do, the waiting is the hard part to get to the reward. And for some of us in this place, we have seen miracles of medicine and science in the course of our lives, have we not? where we one time used to think of an illness and we would think, well, that's the end of the story, but now we think of it and we say, well, there's hope and there's an option. You know, I tell people this frequently, and something I was taught by a great mind was is that hope is not a plan, but hope is the evidence of a plan. We used to have little hope in certain situations and certain diagnoses in the world, but now we have great hope because now we have a plan. We have things that we have seen change over time. There are advancements all the time. We see them. We, we realize, though, with some things, we just have to wait. 
You will plant seeds in your children's lives, lessons that you will teach them today that might not grow or bloom for years and years and years. You will invest in, in the kids that you work with at school or in the, the people that you train at your work or the things that you do in your life, and you might not see a reward for some time. Somebody else might gain that reward. There are many things that I was taught, and I always think that it's funny that I, I got a real education after I got out of school because I went back and I went through all the things because I realized I was a proper meathead. And I went back and I started to consume all these books that my English teachers had told me to read, the ones that I sort of read. And I fell in love with some of them. My greatest treasured work of, 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 of literature is one that I should have read in high school and should have been in love with a lot longer than I have been. And I will tell you, the teachers investing in, in students and parents and their children and, and Sunday school connect group leaders in their classes and, and ministers to their congregation. We'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. Because immediately these verses begin to spring forth. It says, have you not known? Uh, the indication here for us is that there should be some bit of past knowledge. You should already have this. Have you not known this? Have you not heard it? Indication is, is that we should each and everyone in our due course be able to first understand these truths about God and repeat them in such a way that everyone in our number should know and hear them, that God is capable of all that he promises and that he is not ignorant to our problems. Have you not known? Have you not heard? If you are hearing it for the first time today, then praise the Lord you're hearing it, that you might go forward and always from today be able to say, I have known and I have heard. Have you not known? Have you not heard? It says the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. And I love it when scripture does this. Don't get me wound up on this because I get talking about creation and I get talking about the magnificent nature of God, how he just speaks and whole stars are born. It, it talks about him. It says the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. And then it says something about him. Neither faints nor is weary. That day off that he gave us, that wasn't for him. And some of you are like, what day off? Follow his model. You'll find one. You see this picture here where he says that he neither faints nor is weary. I'm oftentimes reminded that the limitations that he has given our, our frame, our physical being, is designed for such a way that we might have to rest, but also so that we would lean on him. And that we would follow a schedule that he gives us. That we would understand that we could measure the seasons and all the things in it. He neither faints nor is weary. And then it says his understanding is unsearchable. I don't know about you. It's pretty powerful today. Um, we have changed the way we learn things. Do you know that? We change the way we learn things because we don't remember things like we used to. We don't memorize the, the volume of things we used to memorize. Why don't we do this? It's probably because of this device right here. What we remember now and what we train ourselves to, to memorize are the pathways to get to the things that we need to know. We remember the websites, we remember the, 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 the names of things, and we go and we research and we study them, and we find them there, and then we, we learn them for the time that we need them, and then we put it right back there, and we don't put it to memory. We used to memorize all these pieces. We've changed the way we learn. Isn't it interesting that you can look up an entire library's worth of information at the fingertips, and people have never been more ignorant in, in their knowing? because we don't store it in our hearts. The scripture tells us we ought to store God's word in our heart, 
But because we know how to find it, we oftentimes don't think it's important to, to hold on to it, to behold it, to memorize it. Isn't it something when you walk up to somebody and you ask them something, and there's a difference because they'll say something like, I think it's, and in my work, you know, I don't get to say this often, but every once in a while I was like, you think or you know? And they'll be like, I had some young men, very well-meaning, come to my office at some point at a previous church, and they were trying to convert me to some other version of this faith that I follow. And, I, and they were telling me all these things, what they believed, and I just looked at them and I said, are you telling me? And they began to say, well, that's what I think. And I said, oh. And these boys backed up and I said, I said, if I'm going to hang the rest of my eternity on it, don't you think you should know it? Don't come in here and tell me what you think, tell me what you know. We don't remember things anymore because we are not like God in this way that his ways are unsearchable. We are constantly having to search. I think it's interesting that it's, it's juxtapositionally placed in here, his unsearchability, and that's all we're doing is searching all the time. Hop on the search engine. Some of you are old enough in this room to remember Ask Jeeves, and you knew Yahoo before it was email, and, and, and it was passed by by Google and all these other things. You know what it meant to go to the internet and ask and not know if there would be an answer because people just had to know stuff. And if you didn't know stuff, you had to know people that knew stuff. And we valued our adults and our seniors a lot more because we couldn't look stuff up. I think we've replaced the relationship sometimes with our parents and our grandparents with YouTube. Yeah, that one was meant to sting. We look here at the scripture and we look to a creator and oftentimes we neglect a relationship with him because we have replaced him with Google. And it is broken because his ways are completely unknowable. That's how much he knows. You could ask him anything and wait for an answer. And he'll give you the answer when you need it. Points number two and three in your bulletin will feel a little weird because I'm going to come back to three. And verse 29 covers number th three, but verse number 30 covers point number two, and I'll explain that in a second. It says, he gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. I don't know about you, but there are moments. There are moments when you wonder how people are going to summon the courage to face another moment. And then you say, that person believes in God. There will be strength for them. It says, he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. And he goes, even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. Point number two is that life is demanding and we will be weary. How many of you over the course of the last week thought to yourself, well, I'm going to eat lunch and then it's going to get dark right after lunch because of the time change? That's how I felt. I mean, at lunchtime, hey, I'm expecting it to be midnight at six and that's kind of, you know, the, the, all the memes on social media talk about this and I think it's funny and just you think it's funny and... Um, but the reality is, it's like, why do I feel so tired? It's the same time it was last week when I wasn't tired. Well, maybe it's because the good Lord turned the lights off. And we turned the clocks. And so we are racing our, our day like we know better than he does. I won't get started about that. You're welcome to write your letters to the people who vote on these things and talk about that. But the reality is, is that when we look to the scriptures, we are reminded, we are reminded that God knows. He knows that you might just very well come up against a thing that is bigger and harder and badder than you could ever face. And as a result, he knows that you might stumble and you might get weary and you might become completely incapable of moving forward. And in this moment, we look to it in point number two, you know, kind of is, is exemplified in, in 
verse number 30, and I, I did it that way as far as the points go because we get the why point number three matters. Back in verse number 29, he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. God gives the necessary strength. That's point number three. I don't know about you, but oftentimes we are so robustly eager to sort out a plan to figure out our problems that we, we neglect God altogether. And it is a bad habit even of mine to, to launch into something and then ask God to bless it than to start with God and ask him to guide me and bless me as I then go forward. And I think that if we would learn to do the latter, we would be better off. I think that when we're starting our waiting process after we have planted seeds in the lives of our friends and families with the gospel and we have talked to them about Jesus and they have not yet made a response, that we will wait I was appalled, and I, and I will tell you this, it will be a defining factor in, in, in your opinion of me. I'm certain of this. But I was appalled one, one summer when we were at camp, and one of the guys got real excited about, you know, the kids that were making decisions, and he's kind of encouraging a kid to make a decision, and he, he is all but forcing this kid down the aisle, and I'm like, stop. It won't mean anything unless he does it for himself. It won't mean anything unless he cries out to his creator for himself. If he does it for anyone else, it won't matter. We sometimes get so eager in the waiting process that we're like, well, let me go and dig around in the dirt and see if this is going to sprout or not before I know if I should just move on to the next thing instead of just being patient and saying, we're going to continue to encourage and pray and we're going to wait right here. And one of the problems that I find is, is that we, we are zealous for the outcome so much so that we would ruin the harvest by destroying it because we're eager. Because what we want. And there's this picture in this strength. He says, he will give you when you're weak and you're waiting. He will give you this might, this power. And he increases it. Even young people will need it. I'm glad to hear that because I'm young. Some of you might believe that. Most of you won't. Young-ish. It's really something. As I've gotten some gray hairs, I've begun to realize that I'm not the young guy anymore. When I was 20-something and, and the kids used to, you know, talk about me and I used to have this, this role and this, you know, this thing, I was like, don't believe it, it's all a myth. I'm not young anymore. I became old, real young, by the way. I was ready to tell kids to get off my lawn when I was in my 30s, so. There's this picture here where we see this, this moment where he, he reaches in because he knows that you might need a bump at any point in your life with his strength. You see, I, I say this frequently, and I'm going to say it again. I, I, little, about a year ago, it came up, and, and here we are again, where I say that I've read all throughout the Bible all these moments where God talks about being sufficient and being the difference maker and being capable of giving us what we need. But I've never once read in the Bible where it says he'll never give you more than you can handle. Why would he say both of those things? Because if one is true, you don't need the other. So you want an easy life. I want a great big God. You want a, a, a burdenless situation, and I want a creator that carries me through all the burdens. You want a moment where you could just have it from the microwave whenever you want it so that you could tell everybody about this wonderful thing that happened, and you'll forget that it was never supposed to be about you. But it was supposed to be about him. Isn't it great? That's part of the reason we celebrate when people are baptized because we were like, God is doing something in their life 
just like he did something in my life, I resonate and I harmonize with them in the flow of my life saying, we sing this song together that he has raised us from the dead. We have waited for such a harvest. We are eager about it. We plant seeds in prepared soil. We water them. We wait. And when God does something, we celebrate. Man, I love verse 31. It's probably the, 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 the ultimate piece of this passage with regard to um, teaching that I've learned. And Louis Giglio does an outstanding job describing this. I know the youth are kind of working through a video series where he covers this very passage. Um, the very popular part of his speech is, comes before this, but this is probably the best theological part of his speech. When he talks about it, he says, but those who wait on the Lord, because young men are utterly falling, we're getting weary. He says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And you're like, okay. Well, when Louis unpacks it, I had to go and look for it myself in the language because he said something. I thought, well, I'm going to go look that up. And so I pulled out Brown, Driver, and Briggs, and most of you have no idea what that is, but that's the, that's the great big book that looks up all the Hebrew words. And I'm going to look at what this word means. And he says it very eloquently, and I'm just going to echo the, some of the things he said because when I studied it, I found that I could be in complete agreement with him. This weight here is quite literally when things are pulled to their very tightest. The stress, the tension is so intense. You don't think you could take another thing? You don't think you could handle one more moment? And he's like, but you're going to wait right now. You're going to wait in this moment. You're going to hold on in this moment because if you can't make it one more moment, I'll help you. And that's what he's talking about. When you feel like that life is about to pull you apart from the inside, wait. The tension is real. Wait. Because he says, for those who do this, they will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Waiting is the necessary part we need. That's point number four. The problem is, is that we've gotten a life where we have all this expectation, all this understanding, all this magnitude of, of, of life. And we think that we should be able to cry up to heaven and God should make us the center of everything and do everything for us. And what we oftentimes will do, and the great moment of teaching that, that, that is present always when I'm thinking on things like this is that when we ask God the question, where are you and what are you doing in this moment when things are out of control, we have just demoted him from being God of all the universe and promoted ourselves from being somebody that God has to answer to. And I refuse to do that. What I do is I cry out to God and I say, God, I don't understand right now. But what I need from you is to know what you want me to do right now. And sometimes the answer is wait. That's hard, especially for doers. I don't know about you, but I'm a doer. I'm thinking about what I could be doing. I've got two speeds, and my family saw it yesterday. I got done with some things, and I just basically did nothing, and that was doing something, and I was doing it at full force. Anybody have that in their, in their, in their toolbox? You can do nothing just as strong as you can do something? But when I start to do it, and I got to do it, my wife says, you shifted gears. I was like, I did. I shifted it right into low, and I'm on this couch. 
But we've been going hard, and there's been a lot of stuff. And so I was like, man, I'm going to do this with all my energy right here. We, we get to this moment where we realize that if we want a proper harvest, that we need to be patient. You know, there's a, a part of the waiting that also includes the more watering and more weeding, and I'm not going to get into that too much. I'm not going not gonna to robustly describe that to you, but what I want you to hear is that there's a moment when we look to the Scripture and we understand if you're watering somebody's life and you're waiting for them to make a response, if you're, if you're watering and you're waiting, weeding probably will become part of the process because other things will want to creep in and steal the harvest from you. More could be said there. That's another sermon for another day. But I want to get to this moment, though, where we begin to think about how we might respond. And I've already given you much to think about. But as we draw this to an invitation, I want to ask a very pointed question. And that pointed question is, is, do you feel like that in this part of your life that you are leaning on God in such a way that you are looking for his strength to be sufficient for your situation? Or do you presume to just believe you can do it on your own? Because if it's the first, then it starts with us crying out to Jesus, save us, forgive us, embrace us. And if it's the latter, you're running wrong. You're going smooth in the opposite direction. And so the question for you this morning is, why wouldn't you just cry out to God and say, I can't do this without you? I can't do this by myself. I don't pretend to be able anymore. And I'm through stumbling and falling. I'm going to wait right here until you carry me the next few steps. And then as my strength grows, I'll go with you instead of away from you. You see, that way away from God is constant stumbling and falling and being tired all the time. But that way with God is strong and it is powerful. The wings that he gives you to fly on, as it's described here, the, the ability to run and to walk and not be tired, that's with God. That's not God giving you a battery and sending you out. Are you with him this morning? Because if your life is this other picture, there's only one right way I know, and that's to stop what you're doing, cry out to him, and wait. And if you want to come in a moment when we pray, you can come and talk with me, and I'd be glad to pray with you and, and guide you through that. It's a bigger conversation, by the way. I'm not sure we can sort it out in the few moments where we'll have the invitation, but you might be in this place and you might be saying, I just need to. I know these things are true and I, I've heard these things in my life, but I haven't been practicing them and I want to come and I want to cry out to God and ask him for help. But you might also be in this place and you might have something else that's on your heart and on your mind and a burden that's with you and you want to come and just give that to God. You see, it's when we're willing when things are tight, tough, difficult, strained, that we think we can't go any further, that God says, let me help you this next step. And that's what this part is about, where we respond and we say, we'll wait with you. I also think that it's interesting, and because I kind of lean into the lane of puns, for some of us that don't know what else to do, I got to looking at this verse, and I realized that it's not a great translation for this, but to wait on God could also mean to serve him is every want and need and desire. Like a waitress or a waiter, can you wait on God? Can you serve him while you wait? That's the whole reason for that word. And so, so 
for the last part of the invitation, you might be saying, I don't know what to do. Well, just surrender to him in such a way that you're saying, I will serve him in my waiting. Would you stand with me today? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. Lord, an opportunity to tell you that we're sorry for being the center of the story in our own opinion. And we ask, Lord, that you take center stage right now, right here. And we cry out to you and we ask you, Lord, for the thing that maybe we're having a hard time even talking about that's always on the back of our mind that we can't seem to get away from. But Lord, we're having a hard time waiting. Lord, I pray this morning that we could give that to you. That we could allow you to take this tense moment, lay your hands on our hands and hold us together so that we don't fall apart. And Lord, I believe that that starts with us crying out to you saying we need you in our life. We want you we want you to hold on to us because we're, we're having a hard time. But we ask, Lord, that you would call us, Lord, and that we would surrender in this moment. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.